episode 25 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we'll be discussing chapters 21 to 24 of FCE's The Rise of Kiyoshi. Now, before we start, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for the Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and The Rise of Kiyoshi. However, you are free from spoilers regarding the sequel novel, The Shadow of Kiyoshi, as well as any Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, in a couple of hours, I'm actually going to get the first dose of the Moderna vaccine. Oh my god! Congratulations! Yeah, You're I'm getting... really, really excited about that. It it happened. I only found out just yesterday. Mm. Um, we I got an email from the vaccine coordinator in our um city, and they had to sign up. And then the very last slide was like, "All right, pick a time." And it was like for the next day. I was like, "Oh, like I thought I was gonna have to wait like a week or something," but. No, I'm getting in in a couple hours, and then I have to get uh, the second dose, like, the beginning of March or something like that. That's but, amazing, though. Yeah, I'm very excited. This entire panoramic has caused me a whole deal of uh, anxiety and stuff, and and getting this vaccine is, is a step away from that. Exactly. And hopefully a step towards something better. So I mean, I did see in the Washington Post post on Instagram this morning that, like, you know, it's the cases are starting to go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it's a little bit. But it's something, you know? Yeah, my only concern is they're going to go back up around spring break time because people are stupid and they're going to go on spring break. Well, WVU is not having a spring break, so um, I will still be That's here. That's true. Slowly descending into madness. But you know what? At least I won't be spreading COVID. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, do, if you do get a chance, get vaccinated. I, I know that every city and every state is doing it differently. So yeah, certain I don't know people how... get priority. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did. I mean, I'm not sure how the university the university is going to do anything with it. I know that the I get tested every week because I'm an athlete, but I know that they moved testing downstairs because they were making room for the vaccination clinic upstairs. So I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure how high I rank on the priority list as a student. Uh, right. But I mean, I did sign up for like the state's like uh, vaccination thing because I am technically a resident. So mm-hmm. we shall yeah. see. But yeah, definitely get on that if um if you want to get vaccinated. But yeah. yeah, how are you doing, Kayla? That is a good question. I have had a lot going on lately, but uh, you know, school this semester has kind of been running me into the ground, and it's only like yeah. we're just wrapping up week three. Mm-hmm. There's like fourteen weeks in this semester, and this one class in particular. It's only eight weeks, but you feel every single week because it just gives you so much. You you feel this passage of time. You feel the you know the wrinkles starting to form in your forehead as you're trying to figure out what the fuck they're talking about. That's how this class is going. It feels like I'm learning another language, but you know what? It's important. So I, I will get this eventually, mm-hmm. just not right now. That was me you know? when I, as a music major, had to take an online intro to forensic science investigation course because gen eds are stupid, and I had no you idea had to what do was for happening. A gen ed class, damn. I yeah, took, gen eds I are just, bullshit. I did the computer. I did a. I, here's how I got out of doing actual science classes like biology. I did computer science, and then I did nutrition. Oh, I did computer science too, which oh, I God. thought was going to be like coding and and shit but it was just learning how to use like microsoft Microsoft word microsoft excel which was Uh, i mean it wasn't hard no you just had to follow along to what the person was saying it was tedious though yeah it was absolutely tedious and then health and nutrition i didn't learn a single thing in that class i don't remember anything i learned yeah (laughs) I, I took that because I, I was like, I'm not doing fucking biology or chemistry. Like, I'm No. Not... Oh, my God. No, 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 no. no. I did uh, honors biology in high school. Never mm. again. Same. <laughs> well, I also couldn't because those classes, they had the lecture and then the lab. And none of that's those how, times fit with my music schedule. That's how it. That's how it used to be with my. Uh, but I got how it used to. My. That's how the school is now. They have like a separate lab and class time. But that's not how it was when I was a freshman. So. Yeah. But I mean, not to rant about it, but why? Why am I paying so much money a year to take classes that have nothing to do with my major? Like I for the kids I, that don't have like an idea of what they're gonna do with you know. Their that's fine, career. but that's maybe fine. Not, but for the rest of us, don't who re- actually know. Yeah, don't require that for people who actually know what they want. Don't and, like, force your indecisive lifestyle on the rest of us. <laughs> in the words of Trixie Mattel, I don't want to be. Con- I'm going to be controversial yet brave once again, but uh, people should not be going to college to be well-rounded. They should be going to 
learn an expertise, a specialty, and then become an expert in that in that field of study, right? Like, I and- mean, I have my co- I have my hands in multiple cookie jars when it comes to multimedia, but at least you know it's a multimedia. You know, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a singular thing. It's not like I'm gonna be and th- and even subjects within my major are already well rounded enough. All Gen Eds did for me was stress me out more, take away time from like practicing or like writing. And just be just getting in the way of other music stuff like, oh, I can't go to this concert because I have <clears throat> a math test at 7 p.m. I hate like, math. I don't know. Anyway, I, cel- I, I full on celebrated after I took my last math class. I'm so excited to never take another math class again. Anyway, never. we have some anyway, news this week. We actually do. We do. Um, <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra is getting a tabletop role-playing game. So like Dungeons and Dragons, for those who do not know what that is. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is really cool. They announced this on Wednesday, and Magpie Games is going to be heading uh, this venture. Have you ever played a role-playing game, like a tabletop role-playing game, Kayla? Yes. Actually, I am currently playing Dungeons and Dragons with some friends of mine, um, and we're doing it in like the world of like Magic the Gathering. Even though I don't know anything about it, it's like Greek mythology kind of inspired world, mm-hmm. uh, and I love it so far. I've never played any kind of tabletop role-playing game before. We do it over Discord, and yeah, I really like it. I think our next session is this weekend. So. Oh, that's fun. I, I remember... Just getting into Dungeons and Dragons, and then the Panda Pandemic. Express hit, and then he did <laughs> it. using all the different words for <laughs> Panda Express, Panoramic. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, we did we had like two sessions, and the first session was just us trying to figure out how to play Dungeons. And Dra- we had one uh, we had one person who was the dungeon master, who knew a lot about Dungeons and Dragons, but had never DM'd a game. So that was like our first session was like trying to figure out how to like make it work. But we all got dice. We all had fully fleshed out character sheets. We had a, a world. We were ready to go. And then, you know, the the plutonium hit. And then we were we couldn't do sessions anymore. So. Well, that's what Discord is for or Google Hangouts or Zoom or anything. Uh, you know, yeah. it's if you ever wanted to pick that back up again, there's a lot. I mean, we use like things like Dungeons and Dragons, like Beyond and like the uh, Roll20 and all that stuff. So there's a lot of resources well, you can I'm, do virtual stuff. Well, with. I'm wondering if if we could figure it out, if we could play this tabletop role playing game over zoom for an episode or maybe in a couple couple of months or a year from now if we find ourselves in the same state or something we'll get together and play around or something i would love that i I don't know put that on the notes i don't think it said um when it's coming out i think it was just like announced but it is going to be covering um it's in the world of avatar avatar and and cora yeah so yeah i it's kind of funny because i I saw that I saw the news on my feed and I was like, oh, my God, they finally have Avatar news. I text Andre. He's like, yeah, I already have it in the show notes. I'm like, God damn it. I thought I actually yeah. knew something before you did. <laughs> you, t- you texted me like two hours after I put it in the show notes. I was like, great. Next time I, <laughs> next time I won't do anything. I'll just let you find it <laughs> and then be like, oh, good job, Kayla. <laughs> and then just like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, oh, my God, I had I had a metaphor. I lost it. Yeah, I don't I don't think people understand the level of of um <laughs> of. Uh, notifications I get when it comes to this stuff like I have Google News notifications I have all the major networks I have Twitter I have Apple News like it all comes at the same time (laughs) see I don't so I should probably get on to that (laughs) (laughs) that's fine because you end up finding out about it later on on Twitter but I noticed that that things show up on Twitter like a good 30 minutes to an hour after the thing actually is announced Mm mm-hmm so oh, okay. I mean, for a lot of people, that that window is is very crucial. I mean, not I, I'm acting like I'm like a journalist for a major news company or something. I'm not. I run a podcast, but you know, it's important. So yeah. cool. Um. So. so yeah, if you guys are enjoying this podcast and you want more content beyond just a weekly episode or just us talking about <laughs> tabletop role playing games for Avatar, then we have exactly what you need on Patreon for various monthly donations. We're offering special shout outs on the air, exclusive access to stuff like video recordings of us recording the podcast. Early access to our episode script so you can see what we plan on talking about week to week. And of course, early release ad-free episodes of Avatar Hour. So if you would like any of those things, go ahead and join us on patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Our most expensive tier is only $5. We're not asking for more than that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really excited to, be, to keep making content for that. Yay. All right. Should we start 
the recap chapter 21 let's do it let's do it so chapter 21 preparations so the flying opera company are now journeying uh, now journeying i can't write or read uh to, to governor tay's palace and kiyoshi's being trained by wong in how to use the fans mm -hmm. uh so he's kind of getting frustrated with her because she's he said he tells her that it's not a weapon but an extension of her arm which didn't we get like a line kind of like that in the show about like bending or something uh, like, I mean, doesn't doesn't Suki say something like that in the Kyoshi Warriors episode? Does she? I'm like, I feel like we said I heard something like that in the show, like in one of the shows about oh, like oh bending no, it, it was, or it was, was a... Sokka, Sokka's master talking about the sword. There you go. Yeah, bending or weapon usage. There you go. References. We appreciate that. Um, so not only is Kiyoshi learning how to move with the fans, but she's also singing while move while like learning these different, you know, stances, uh, for breath control practice. So, yes. you know, yes. that they are the flying opera company. So That's it true. fits. Um, and now she's actually getting better at her earthbending because of her fan training. So good for her. Um, you know, and apparently some earthbenders amplify their power with weapons like hammers and maces, uh, which is what because Lex like saying like, you know, you can't keep relying on the fans. What if you lose them or something? Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people use like, you know, hammers and maces and stuff, which I don't have we ever seen an earthbender use. I'm trying to remember if we have. I I want to say there's something like that in season three of Korra when Korra and Asami are um on that like side quest for the Earth Queen to get back That's the right. money. I like feel the like there's Max. something like that. Yeah. yeah, like the Mad Max guys. Exactly. It's a, it's a Mad Max scene. Let's be honest. It looks like Mad Max. Yeah. I've never seen um, a single movie. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, th I guess this could also extend to how the metal benders use those like ropes. In okay. Korra. Yeah, you're right. You're as right. like an extension of their powers good point good point um and you know like and kiyoshi continue to bigger like siblings and why do i have, i just have this feeling that at some point this is going to hurt me like just like the relationship is just something's going to happen and i'm going to be sad i just have I... that feeling and i don't tell me any don't confirm or deny my feelings to people who read the book and are listening to this right now <laughs> i weirdly enough i get a sense like oh this is how like kiyoshi and yun were when they were when they just like start like when they oh met each God. other you're right i feel like maybe this is kind of how they were and maybe kiyoshi sees a little bit of yun and lek oh and that's God. why she feels even though she feels like really annoyed by the fact that her parents took him in and whatnot she still at multiple points does you know go to his aid to defend him so yeah. i yeah i really like how their their relationship is slowly becoming you know more more friendly instead of more antagonistic yeah and like uh they and it's really funny the dialogue that they have together i'm trying to yeah. find the page i should have written this down oh it's like she said you snot she tries like calling him like a snot nosed and she calling him a snot nosed little and he's like he raised a finger patiently like an enlightened guru but but that's sifu snot nosed to you so yeah they have really yeah. good lines very fun I, I appreciate that sorry i had to ramble a little bit on that all right. Um, so cut to uh, Rangi is training with Kiyoshi in firebending. Um, and so Rangi tells her that of all the bending disciplines, fire is the most affected by inner turmoil. The fact that it's coming easier to you now means that you're feeling more relaxed and natural. Um, so she's getting better at firebending. Good for mm -hmm. her. Um, you know, it's something, I mean, like, again, like, it kind of confirms what we see in the show with Zuko in season three when he's unable to, you know, firebend because he's not like he's not pulling from the same, um, you know, source with his emotional his emotional turmoil, you know, and that's what the you know that episode where you know he and Ang go and find dragons, you know, that yeah, got me thinking it, it, about it, that. It, I I love this touch about firebending, and yeah, we see it in Atla too. But it, I mean, firebending is the only element where they are kind of producing it from their own body you know so mm -hmm. it would make sense that the firebending is affected by their Emotion. emotional state which i think is really cool yeah so yeah continuity and then rongi's kind of snaps at kiyoshi's like you shouldn't be feeling relaxed around these people they're you know they're <laughs> criminals 
you, you know, you, you don't have to continue down this path on this mission and even suggest going to a sage and proving that she's the avatar so she can take up her duties and all that stuff. And then Kiyoshi is like, yeah, you remember how like this guy that's kind of after me right now is like connected to just about every single sage in the world. Yeah. Uh, and then Rangi then suggests that they go to her mother. Um, which Kiyoshi then feels guilty about separating her from her mother and apologizes for taking so much away from her. So do you really think, I mean, do you really think that Heiran would actually be a reliable person in this scenario? I know that, you know, she works closely with Jinju, but, you know, if Rangi had told her about how dangerous he really is, like, do you think that she would have actually, you know, sided with them? Or I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I feel like there is such a level of, of loyalty to Jinju that I don't think, I mean, if Rangi is thinking the best thing is to go to someone who is close to Jinju, then Heiron would definitely kind of feel the same way because that's where she gets that sense of honor from. Right. And like the constant need to protect not only her own name because of the scandal of, of, you know, Heiron, uh, supposedly killing people, accidentally killing people in an Agni Kai, but, also, like the the fact that she is the avatar's bodyguard for all intents and purposes, and I mean, at this point, I'm just like, girl, give up, give it up. Like, I think we're too deep into yeah. the Dalfe pit to to ever come out of it at this point. And the yeah. the more I keep thinking about the role of the Dalfe in this world, I'm like, the only reason we think it's bad is because uh, Jinju says it's they're bad, Heron says they're bad, but subjectively you know just they these seem to be people that have been wronged and oppressed by not only benders but just people of a higher status so it it feels like we don't really get an accurate sense of who the dafe actually are yeah and that's why i mean like everything is 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 fueled and driven by destiny in this world mm -hmm. and if kiyoshi's destiny is to join the dafe then I have to kind of assume that it's like it's not necessarily as bad as Rangi maybe thinks. Yeah. And also like, you know, it's something that we're finding is that the people who are supposed to be virtuous and good, you know, the leaders and all that stuff, you know, Jinju and like, you know, governors and stuff like that, they're really just in it for themselves too. You know, and all these things that they say that the Daofei are, you know, they're the ones that are doing those things and Hurting. Not that the Dalfe aren't doing bad things, because you know they both they both kind of suck in their own ways. But perhaps you know, I don't know. I tried making a point. Yeah. You know, no, 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 I I totally get it. Yeah. So um, Rangi, so Kiyoshi apologizes for taking her away. You know, taking so much away from her. I mean, Rangi did volunteer though, so remember that. But Rangi then says that you know you can start making things right again by being a great avatar, being someone who is virtuous and just. Now that gets Kiyoshi off balance because if you remember in the last episode we talked about how she and Lauga were talking about murdering the governor. Mm -hmm. So put a pin in that. Uh, then they continue training, and Karima asks for a turn to train Kiyoshi in waterbending. Uh, Rangi clearly has some issues with K Karima and shoots fire at her. Karima then just calls it, refers to her as top knot, which, you know, kind of an insult because, uh, you know, you know how sacred the top knot is yeah. in the Fire Nation. Um, there's a really interesting, a quick passage I really wanted to quote real quick where um, Kiyoshi was thinking about, like, the top knot and how sacred it is. Apparently, the losers of an important Agni Kai would shave parts of their head bald, and those patches would mean a particularly humiliating defeat. Uh, but the top knot was sacred and never touched except in circumstances akin to death so that explains Zuko's season one haircut where he's mm -hmm. like pretty much bald except for his you know the hair on top of his head um, and just adds more layers to the scene where Zuko and Iroh cut their hair during season two I mean circumstances akin to death you know yeah and, and also at the very end when Azula cuts her own hair Mm -hmm. she might not realize it but i mean she's lost her honor you know at this point i mean was she i mean really that honorable to begin i was with? gonna say it's up for debate about how how honorable azula ever was but yeah it's a nice it's a nice little um it's a nice little it enriches tidbit. what we already know you know yeah yeah and i feel like we can we can use this piece of information to kind of I feel like we're we're probably gonna see maybe in the next book we'll see a firebender with a shaved head and and we'll you know go from there yeah, but exactly. yeah exactly 
Um, well, and Karima then mockingly calls Rangi a uh, hot woman. So it makes me wonder if uh, it was ever cool to act- ever actually cool to call someone hot man or hot woman. Because remember in like the episode, the Footloose episode, because like Aang uses like old outdated slang, Flamio, hot man. You uh-huh. know, like was it ever? Like, it was. I just wonder. I just a rhetorical question, not the answer. Was it ever actually cool to call someone hot man or hot woman in the Fire Nation? <laughs> Why don't we call them hot people? Hot people. <laughs> Hot days and thems, yeah. Hot days and thems, yeah, exactly. Hot person. Uh, anyway, so then Kiyoshi asks her, like, what's that? Like, what's what's your issue with Karima besides the obvious? And she says, like, oh, you're going to do stance training now. Rangi's like, you're going to do stance training. She's, like, basically, like, doing, like, a wall sit almost, it sounds. Because, like, for those of you who are in athletics, maybe who aren't in athletics, they basically punish you with, like, wall sits where you basically mm-hmm. have to put your back against the wall and have, like, your knees at a perfect 90-degree angle and you can't put your hands on your legs and you got to hold it for a minute. It's terrible. So basically, Kiyoshi's doing that while Rangi's, you know, kind of peeved. And she said that she doesn't, Rangi says she doesn't want Karima teaching Kiyoshi because of the order of the Avatar cycle earth, fire, air, water. Uh, so Rangi says that bad things happen to avatars who try to defy the natural order. And Kiyoshi just says, Look, I'm going to use every single like weapon and resource that I have right now. Uh, and then Rangi says that she can't stop her from running water bending, but as soon as she starts, to the, the chance to do the right things the right way dies and then it can't be brought back. Um, everything that's happened in Kiyoshi's training has not been the right way, you know? Yeah, I didn't even think about this. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm just going back to my thing about the Dafe. Like, I mean, who are we to say what's right and what's wrong in this world? Mm-hmm. You know, especially again, you don't live there. If if the circumstances have led to Kiyoshi being in this situation that it must be happening for a reason. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know how to feel about it. Rangi has an excellent point, but I mean, at this point, what, what can she what do? Can she do? Yeah. She's like, I mean, she goes to an air temple, like a reporter to Jinju, you know, like, right. And I think this, this also subtly kind of makes us feel Kelsong's loss a little more mm-hmm. because if they had managed to run away together, then this wouldn't her. be an issue exactly so yeah, you could you could say it's that. jinju's fault that fuck she has you, to defy the natural order yeah fuck you jinju <laughs> so rangi is trying to distract kiyoshi while she holds the stance she's got to stay still and hold the stance so then uh, she has this, uh, another distraction for her ends up kissing kiyoshi which is i did i might have squealed a little bit uh <laughs> and also literally steamy because rangi then breathes a bit of steam down kiyoshi's collar before telling her she has seven minutes left in the stance and just walks off and i'm like this is real steamy yeah i was like okay avatar <laughs> oh my god forget the forget the the tent scene with the hello (laughs) forget that that's the like the the closest we're ever gonna have to like to like a sexy scene in avatar oh so anyway smash cut to uh kiyoshi i know i keep saying smash cut but that just i don't know it's the best transition i can think of uh kiyoshi is talking with laugo who says that he uh that her water and air chakra are chakras chakras goodness gracious i can't talk today are overflowing um which if you remember in season two uh ang worked with opening his chakras so i have a little a couple notes on the chakras but basically the water chakra is the second chakra to open which uh, deals with pleasure and can get blocked by guilt um and the air chakra which is the fourth chakra to open in order uh deals with love and can get blocked by grief um so basically kiyoshi's in like in love obviously um kind of you know and like i don't know i'm just thinking about like how you know ang and you know he was working with the guru and mm-hmm. how you know working through his feelings and of course his love for katara comes up so i was thinking about that a little bit you know yeah. i can't i can't not think about that <laughs> definitely um so kiyoshi then says like yeah i don't know jack about chakras and he's and then you know he says to her that he'd rather work with someone who has all their chakras all closed or all open because those with only some of them open can be easily swayed by their strongest, most gnarled up emotions. So basically her pleasure and love are bumping up with her grief and her guilt and guilt makes her a poor killer. Apparently. Yeah. I feel like this is some very strong foreshadowing. <laughs> mm, 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 foreshadowing alert. Uh, and Kyoshi then says she's not sure if she can help him with killing the governor. Um, then Lauga asks her if she's heard of Guru Shokin, I think it's pronounced. I believe, uh, who lived at the same time as Guru Lahima, who is the guru that figured out flight that Sahira was obsessed with in Korra. Yeah. That guy. I, I appreciate the name drop. I might have I might have gasped, but like, I know that. Only because I because he kept on fucking saying the person's name over and over again. Uh, anyway, 
So his proverb was apparently, uh, so Guru Shokin's proverb was, if you meet the spirit of enlightenment on the road, slay it. So he was a, he was a bit of a, a bit of a heretic, apparently. So other um, people said. So other people said. Yeah. Um, so he explains that the interpretation of this is that you can't by, be bound by others on your own journey and you got to walk with a singular purpose and that the judgment of others, no matter how horrific your actions may be labeled, they must have no meaning to you. Mm. So, hmm. Wisdom from unusual places. Uh, well, Kiyoshi's then like, uh, I can't do that because, you know, obviously she still cares about what, wrong, what Rongi, you know, thinks and mm-hmm. says and all that stuff. And Laga replies that, with, he says, so without your firebender connecting you to the world, uh, you wouldn't feel guilty, would you? Like, damn. I mean, I guess he has a point. Like- a little bit. Um, she is kind of half for, she is kind of a bit of her impulse control. Now that I think mm. of it, you know, I mean, does she always listen? No, but, you know, impulse control there. Uh, and Kiyoshi, um, you know, actually he tells Kiyoshi that Avatar Yangchen was a follower of uh, Guru uh, Shokin. So, mm. and she was a devoted reader of his and his opponent. So she got, so basically he's trying to say that she got her wisdom from a variety of places. Well, so this is it again. Like he was considered a heretic and then, but Avatar Yangchen like followed his teachings. So like, again, who are we to say is right or wrong in this world? Exactly. Um, then Kiyoshi asks if he's Guru Shokin because of, you know, Laugi's, uh, Lauga's uh, alleged immortality. And he snorts. He's like, of course not. I was always much better looking than that fool. <laughs> then I'm just, I literally was just like jaw dropped. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, is he joking? I don't think he is. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Oh, you think he actually is Guru Shokin? No, I think that he that as that he had he's lived that long. You know, considering that you know Guru Shokin lived that really. long. I think he. I has. mean, he's he's known as the immortal. Like his, you know, like yeah, I don't know. And I remember I was like I was about to make a big like big all caps like a prediction. He's going to teach Kiyoshi how to live longer because Kiyoshi's one of the longest living avatars. And then your section literally it happens in the next like section. Yeah, that's he talks about that. Well, I also I also got that that prediction, I guess, when I read that. I was like, oh, this is this obvious. But here's the thing, I don't I am still trying to make up my mind about Lauga, and I think that's purposeful. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're you're meant to assume one thing about him. Like he seems to be he is both in the background of the story and also at the forefront of the story at the same time. I mean he kinda is Kiyoshi's spirit guide at this point, you know, yeah. like a spiritual mentor. So he's just kind of there to kind of like question her philosophy yeah. on a lot of things. I think he's one of the most interesting characters in this book, honestly. Definitely interesting, but also just shrouded in mystery. Yeah, like, you and that's don't what really makes him interesting. He's yeah. funny, and like also like he makes some interesting points. Uh, you know, makes you think. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and that ends chapter twenty-one. Now we move on to chapter twenty-two conclusions. So Jinju got word about the Shershu attack, and now he's getting rare eel hounds to track down Kiyoshi. Um, so they made it to the mountains of Ba Sing Se, and um, Heiran's not there with Jinju because he needed a break from her watchful gaze, so he mm. ran off. Uh, so Jinju is now meeting the tracker. Oh, and apparently the Kiyo- the the Shershu that went after Kiyoshi from the last section, it went loose. Like the handlers just lost control of it. So he's like, well, as far as I know, it probably ate the Avatar at this rate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see. interesting. Well, I think he well, he's, you'll you'll find out what he knows later. But uh, Jinju then uh, gets attacked. He sees the tracker coming, and then he the, he sees that the chew that the tracker falls over because he's got two arrows in his back. He's getting now he's getting attacked um, by um now we 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 then find out it's by the Daofei because they're real close to the city where Kiyoshi and the gang were. Um, so he uses earthbending spikes on their high ground spot. I think is how they described it. Like he used like spikes to. Yep. Just brutal them. and brutal. Oh, would you look at that? I've been impaled. <laughs> that's not <laughs> how what they. That's not what they said. But I had to make a frozen reference. Anyway. Um, so one of Jinju's guardsmen managed to kill three attackers, which impresses him, and he introduces himself as a uh, Sifel. That's what I found out on the internet, so I hope that's the right pronunciation. Um, so Jinju examines the dead one of the dead bandits, and apparently he had a flower on his lapel, but Jinju can tell what it was at first, but it is one of the autumn bloom members. Mm-hmm. 
So he checks the ground and finds their tracks from where they came from. And he finds a secret tunnel. But it's not the secret tunnel. It's a secret tunnel. But still through the mountain. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I Secret tunnel is like one of my like my favorite things about Avatar. It's so stupid. I, I mean, yeah, we have to we have to do it. We have to bring it up. We, I mean, that that episode is coming on the show eventually. We're going to be doing our, our book two next. So it's going to be a soon. fun episode. Uh, anyway, so Saiful and Jinju uh, journey through the tunnel to find the town. Where he, I don't remember. what's. Do you remember what the name of the town was? I totally forgot. I kind of blanked uh, on me. Hujong? Okay, I think. I think yeah. So yeah. they find they find the Dalfei's town. Um, and yeah, they like Kyoshi and Rongi and the Flying Opera Company were literally just there. And he, they find the dead Shershu there. Um, so then he goes alone into a tavern and asks an injured man, which we figure out is the fighter that Rongi shattered his leg. Mm. Uh, and he asks if he's seen girls that that matches uh, Kiyoshi and Rongi's descriptions. So the man then attacks Jinju who saw this coming and then breaks his wrist, breaks the guy's wrist on top of the leg. You guys are just having a rough couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fighter that introduces himself as foreshadows Guan and refuse it and refuse to tell Jinju shit because you know Jinju's a man of the law. Right. Uh, so Jinju knows that if a Daofei tells him his professional name, then there's no more conversation to have. So he tries to basically play on his emotions. So Jinju tells a story about how he was tracking a Daofei group called the Band of the Scorpion, and apparently they were moving slowly because two of their members had caught foot rot and they were carrying them like you know uh so they would have escaped jinju if they had let their injured to rot so then he crushes the flower symbolism i guess you know it's something you can't you know ignore I just picture that scene in my mind though like of like the close-up on his hand going like that mm -hmm. um he crushes the flower and says that he sees that guan has been abandoned by his brothers and then guan shits you know spits in his face yeah shits in his face <laughs> he spits in his face <laughs> and says that the autumn bloom would never abandon each other then he realizes that Jinju is manipulating him and then stops talking. Jinju then rolls up his sleeves and does things the hard way, i.e. he kills him. Uh, so he got the information he needs. He now has the name The Autumn Bloom. So that gives him a bit of a lead. I it guess. is kind of, I mean, like, as as much as you, like, hate Jinju, you, can, you can't not be impressed by the the oh, level absolutely. of like effortless manipulation he could play people like a fiddle and you make and it makes you think like oh this is how he's got the entire earth kingdom under his thumb you know what i mean like he's done to this people. to multiple people well i mean you're gonna see in the next part of the chapter exactly another example of how good he is at what he does yeah uh not just earthbending um, so after dealing with foreshadows Guan, he follows. He walks out to try to ponder the autumn bloom, and he says, "What in the name of Oma's bastard children were the autumn bloom?" And Oma was one half of, uh, you know, the couple that, you know, eventually the city of Omashu was named after. You know, secret title reference again. Oh, okay. You know, oh, she was one of the. She's right. one half of the two lovers. You know, I didn't catch and that. And she's the one. And she's the one that like ended the fight between the two. You know. Uh, yeah. You know, Two lovers are been from one another. War divided yeah. the people. So she's yeah. So name drop, and I was like, oh, she. I guess she did. Guess she had kids with Shu. I don't know. I was just a just Easter egg thing that got the gears turning a little bit. I yeah, got caught up that's on those really things. Cool. So anyway, now he knows that Kiyoshi is with the Daofei, but he thinks that she's been kidnapped, so he doesn't know that she's actually working with them. Um, and then as he gets to the surface, he notices that a bird notices a bird fly away, like a messenger hawk. And he goes to Sifle and asks him, like, why'd you send a messenger hawk? And he tries lying and saying that, uh, you know, like Sifle tries lying and saying, oh, I'm just asking for supplies. And then Jinju's like, so, do you know a guy named, uh, well, how do you pronounce his name again? I forgot to make a note of that. Is it? Chim uh, Chamberlain Hoy? Yeah, Hoy. That's right. Uh, he asks if he knows Chamberlain Hoy. And at the mention of Hoy, uh, Sifle's body language changes. So, basically, we now know that he is a spy for him. Uh, and I mean, he, here's the thing, Jinji didn't, he made a shot in the dark with this. Like he didn't mm -hmm. think that he, that, that, you know, he guessed at it, that he was maybe a spy for, you know, Chamberlain yeah. Hoy, but nope, lucky guess. <laughs> and also he found out because of, you know, Sifle's body language, just damn. Uh, but Sif but he basically predicted what Sifle, uh, Sifle's message said to Chamberlain Hoy, saying that the Avatar has been lost to outlaws. Um, so then Jinju braces himself with a fight for a fight as Sifle draws his sword. Uh, there's a whole passage where basically Jinju likens his fighting style to his Pai Show skills. Even when he's losing, he knows how to wear people down until he claws a victory out of them and never gives up early. Damn. 
Uh, and there's a quote that just made, you know, I wrote big in all caps, damn, after this part. Um, beating him always required a price in blood, and he wasn't about to drop the habit now. Yeah, so he's Holy getting closer. Shit. Just inching ever so closer to Kiyoshi. Yeah, I, again, I feel like he's going to show up at the most inopportune time, the most inconvenient oh, of time. Of course. Um, yeah, I don't know. But cool. So that's chapter 22, yes? Yes, and that ends chapter 22. All right, so we'll continue with chapter 23 and 24 after this ad. And we're back. Let's get into chapter 23, questions and meditations. So we start with Lauga and Kiyoshi taking a stroll through a market, and Lauga shows her with her own eyes just how bad Governor Tay's rule has affected the lives of the village's civilians. Um, he tells Kiyoshi that Governor Tay has been selling food for his own profit while his constituents go hungry, and should there be deserving of of, of assassination, essentially. Um, he then asks her if Jinju ever wronged his citizens, and Kiyoshi begrudgingly gives Jinju credit for helping Yokoya thrive, um, which is, you know, kind of, it's. I mean, it's true. Like, it's said that once he arrived in Yokoya, everything just went up from there in terms of, like, life quality of life and stuff. Um, but yeah, this whole stroll is, like, basically just Laga being like, this is why we should kill Governor Tay. And Kiyoshi's like, mm, I don't know if this is enough reason, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so they return to camp and Kiyoshi quietly watches Karima and Rangi discuss strategy for the raid. And we actually learned through this conversation that Rangi was taught in the Fire Nation how to infiltrate and potentially attack any of the nations and its strongholds, including Ba Sing Se, if ever necessary. Well, so um, much how good was that Ba Sing Se plan? Because it took them, what, 100 years for them to break in and it took a 14-year-old to get in with the, you know? It took 600 days and they didn't even get in. Um, yeah, this, that's um, that's really a... That's interesting and also troubling at the same time. I feel like, like that. I feel like that's something Rongi probably shouldn't be telling anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it also just makes me think of like the you know the seeds being planted for the Hundred Years' War. Like seeing you know like oh yeah like some, of the, the, some of that like mentality. You know, I mean, and it also kind of it explains just how easily the Fire Nation was able to take over. You know, because they very easily uh, infiltrated the air temples. They infiltrated the water tribes. Like, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. Scary, <laughs> scary yeah. Um, and then they, they're sort of talking about the best way to get to the prison. And Kiyoshi sort of speaks up at the mention of mass casualties and says that it will not happen on her watch. Um, and it kind of, this kind of plays on her emotions of being a servant and just the idea of those servants being killed just for, like, doing their own job, you know? Um, so, there, yeah, there's a lot of, of, like, morality play going on in here. Like, she's trying to figure out how to morally go about this, which is really a really interesting struggle to watch. Um, so after this, the training montage continues as Kiyoshi prepares to try and dust step. And to no one's surprise, she fails miserably. Um, Lex suggests that Kiyoshi sits out the attack, but Karima points out that, that the plan won't work unless they're all there. And Lauga expertly sees the opportunity and volunteers to stick with her during the raid. So he's basically sort of manipulating the situation so he murder. and Kiyoshi can be together to assassinate Governor Che without anyone really noticing. Have you considered murder? Fix things? <laughs> Um, so later on, Kiyoshi and Laga are meditating together, and he asks Kiyoshi if she ever wondered why Mok never considered killing Governor Tay. And she sort of guesses that Mok just assumes that Lauga will do it for him, but he laughs and corrects her and says that um, Tay likely has a hidden safe room inside the inside the the mansion to flee to, making it a waste of effort to hunt him down. And this got me unreasonably excited, only because um, I I went through like a small like a middle age phase in like in like middle school or something a lot, and oh a lot of us did i i did too dinosaur phase <laughs> and this is true that a lot of castles of the middle ages had a room inside the very center of the castle it was called the castle keep where um kings and queens could flee to uh if they were under siege for any reason and it was normally uh, a very like it was like padlocked and like metal and like like inches thick and all of that. So I thought that was just cool that that was like an actual thing that actually happened. Mm. Um, so then Lauga then asks her if she's ever guessed his age. 
and he goes her into asking him what the secrets of mortality are, and he just basically tells her that immortality is achieved by order and tidiness, which confuses her because she looks at him and sees the exact opposite of order and tidiness. Um, and he basically says that you have to preserve your mind, and if and anything is out of place in your body, then all you have to do is put it back in the right place, which seems easy, but the way, but it's, you know, it's actually not. No, um, never and is. then Kyoshi jokes that spirits are more interesting than the mind, but Lauga disagrees. And that's kind of how the chapter ends. Um, so very, again, another interesting conversation between Lauga and Kyoshi, I'm assuming will be brought up at some point in some other form later. Um, so chapter 24, the flying opera company slash team Kiyoshi meets up with Mock and about 500 other Dalfei a ways away from the governor's mansion. Um, and as they're walking into the camp, they see this large group of men and they're all like chanting in unison as someone who holds incense sticks and sweeps the smoking ends over their chest. And as someone who went to college, you know, I've been there. We've all been there. Uh, <laughs> it just sounds like Ash Wednesday to me. Uh, it's, for yeah, it's some, <laughs> some sort of weird like hazing ritual. I don't know. So um, Kiyoshi notices that all of them have the characters of Impervious inked on their foreheads. And Karima says that they are members of the Kong Shen sect. And they are a group of non-benders who believe they become immune to the elements through a purification ceremony. And obviously Kiyoshi is like, okay, but if they get rocked by an earthbender, they're dead. So this reminds me of like I, I know I keep making fifteen different Mulan references, but it reminds me of like the guy from like the like the when they're at the camp and like he's like he's a this giant tattoo dragon. will protect, protect me, from, me harm. from harm, and then like you know <laughs> he gets punched in the stomach immediately. Yeah, but I you know I think I think that line was put in purposely because I bet you in the next chapter these guys are gonna go march in. And they're they have boulders being thrown at them and, and they just like they just come off their body and like nothing's happening. I don't know. I think I think there actually is something to that. Um, yeah, I mean they wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't like important, you know. Right. And then Lauga mentions that people of the Khan Shen's uh, sect usually join after seeing a loved one or family member killed by a bender. Huh. So this just tells me that throughout the entirety of the universe and the the timeline of this of this universe that there are always sex of people that have been wronged by benders mm -hmm. and they find ways to fight back. Yep. So it's, so it, this is what I mean, like of, of this book adding so much context because in Korra, you get the sense that like the equalists are like the first ever like organized group to try and fight back against the benders. And Kyo Rise of Kyoshi is like, actually that's not true. There have been multiple times where mm -hmm. non-benders have tried to, rise up inside and fight back and again yeah. it just makes you think about the the place in society that benders automatically have just because of how they were born and also there is like it reminds me like how like short people's attentions how people short people's uh memories are when it comes to history um you know that's like oh my god but also it's because um also the bend the the uh, not the benders the equalists are probably the most uh impactful of the as far as i know as far as, as far know, as we know i think yeah they're the, probably the closest know, probably the closest ever come to taking over the world really mm. um so you know maybe that's another factor that probably contributed to you yeah know, definitely that mindset that's interesting to think about so um yeah they meet up with uncle mock who pointedly lets kiyoshi and rangi know that they missed the excitement uh talking about the shoshu attack in hujong and Lek immediately tries to defend Kyoshi and Rangi, saying that they had nothing to do with the attack. Brother Wei tries to step forward and, you know, slash him with a knife for speaking out of turn like he did in the, you know, the tavern with the Leitai. And Kyoshi quickly jumps between them and literally smashes Brother Wei's fingers with a fan. Suck it, Wei. And I'm <laughs> like, girl, you better work. I love this. Even and with a the fan. That is so drag right there. Just, you know, clack the fan. Clack, clack, clack. <laughs> <Warp>. <laughs> She just thwarped that fan and smashed his fingers. I love that. And everyone is like shook. Everyone's just like, what the fuck? Especially the flying opera company. They're like, oh my God, we're fucking dead. And then Kiyoshi, cool as a pickle, apologizes cool as a and pickle? explains that cool as a pickle. Isn't that a term? Cool Phrase? as a cucumber. Cucumber, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Oh, come on. We explains, had the bones thing with me. Explains that she wanted to save their lives from a poisonous insect. And that if Wei has anything against her actions, he can challenge her to a fight on the late tie after they complete their mission. Dang. And I'm like, who is this? Who's like, this? She is so like, I got it. Whatever. It was a poison fly. I've saved all your asses. What of it? 
I love it. And and Mog obviously is also loving this and congratulates Kiyoshi for her character development and finally becoming a real <laughs> Delphi. Um I don't know, I just thought that was so funny. Mox just like work, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Kiyoshi then briefs them on their plan and Mock decides that they need a coordinated attack and the two parties split to prepare for the raid. Um Karima tells Kiyoshi and Rangi that it's tradition for them to put on makeup before a raid. So we all know where this is going. So Kiyoshi offers them the makeup kit that came with her mother's things. But when they open it, all they see is red, black, and white makeup. So Wong offers to do her makeup for her and explains what each color sort of symbolizes. So he explains that the white symbolizes treachery, a sinister nature, suspicion of others, and the willingness to harm them. The red symbolizes honor, loyalty, and heroism, the face that they showed their sworn brothers and sisters. He tells her that she'll feel braver because it makes him feel braver. And I just thought that was so sweet. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know what it is. I love the character archetype of this big hulking man just having like the sweetest demeanor. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. And then Karima then puts Jess's headdress on Kiyoshi to complete the look. And when Wong offers her a mirror, Kiyoshi thinks that her reflection looks like someone who could pass as an avatar someday. It's her iconic look. It's, it's her the iconic first time look. we get to see her in her iconic look. She's got her fan. She's got the headpiece, the makeup. Like I, I got emotional when I read that. Like, could pass as an avatar someday. I'm like, girl, yes, you can. You're and yes, you will. You're one of the will. most favorite avatars out of all of them. Even in the fandom, she's one of the favorites, you yeah. know? Rangi tells her she looks beautiful. And Lek adds that she looks terrifying Kiyoshi then answers that it's perfect. Good for her. And that's where the chapter ends. Yeah, and I I don't know. I it's it's one of the great things about reading this book because now anytime we see Kiyoshi in Atla and Korra, we're thinking about what those those colors symbolize and how she got the the makeup and the headdress and all of that. And I think it is really interesting that this is a look that is iconic for her and stays with her until her entire during her entire reign as an avatar. So like her her identity and where she comes from is like inherently woven into her identity as the avatar. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. I just love seeing it. Oh yeah. It's all coming together. You know, (laughs) I would, I would kill to see this in an animated context, you know, like the music music. is swelling, like, Oh, maybe then the avatar theme comes in when we finally (sighs) see her full face. Oh, Oh, I wish I'm I'm manifesting it. I really want it. I want um, that in my life. And that's where the chapter ends. So we're really going to be getting into the the big stuff. I mean, we don't have that much left. I mean, if you look. like We've got, we got eight chapters left. We've got like two ep- two episodes, eight chapters left. Yeah. We don't have a whole lot left. How did that happen? I'm, I'm interested to see where, where we go from here. It's just like the, like the, it's, it's, it's like the one day more from Les Mis, you know? <laughs> exactly. You know, Jinju is Javert. <laughs> Javert. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that ends our recap. Uh, Kayla, do you want to go into Phantom Corner for us? Yes. So this week's Phantom Corner we have from a CBR article. I don't know what CBR stands for, but it has to do with comics, I think, is what the C um, stands for. Comic, uh, comic book something. I don't know. Anyway, it's a it's an outlet for pop culture slash nerd stuff. Yeah. Uh, they have an article basically saying that Iris T represents the harmony the elements need to achieve. So throughout the entire Avatar: The Last Airbender series, Iroh is displayed as one of the only firebenders in modern times that truly understands and advocates for balance among the four nations and elements. In the early seasons of the series, he can be seen constantly trying to nudge his young nephew Zuko towards an understanding and appreciation of that balance. Some fans have even theorized that Iroh's favorite drink, tea, is a lesson in and of itself. In the preparation of tea, viewers, along with Iroh, can see that the harmony of fire, which heats the water, water, which acts as the base for the drink, earth, or clay, which is utilized to hold the beverage, and air, which must cool the tea before drinking. They must all exist in order to prepare the perfect cup of tea. Or, as Iroh might say, it is not simply hot leaf juice. Oh my god, I never thought of it that way! (laughs) I, you know, when I was looking for stuff for Phantom Corner, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just find like a cute little meme again. But then I found this and I was like, oh, my fucking God, because what used to be just like this cool, like quirk that Iroh yeah. just had about tea suddenly yeah. turns into the entire mission statement of <laughs> and the entire thesis of the show. And it's so fucking subtle. It's just. I can't put into words how cool it's this genius. actually is. It's actually genius. 
it is yeah yeah for sure i i just cannot believe we never put this together no. i mean but to, to our credit it i don't know it's just such a background thing that we're even iroh when he does like sort of lecture zuko about the importance of the balance and harmony between the elements we just never thought that that would manifest no. itself into his obsession of tea like we should have known but we didn't <laughs> well here's the thing do you think um do you think Iroh is aware or is it's kind of just like a spiritual connection to tea that he has? Like, what do you think? Mm, I don't know. I think just the, I, I mean, it's too, it works out too well for it to not be a coincidence. Plus tea tastes good to some people, uh, but it just works out way too well to not be a totally random spur of the moment type thing. You know, it just works mm-hmm. too damn well together. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe like through the course of his life, Iroh like maybe made this real realization, and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean?" Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a that's a u- universe spirit sort of connection. I don't know. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. So that's Phantom Corner. Uh, so if you would like to support us at the show while also receiving some amazing benefits and exclusive content, consider subscribing to us at Patreon.com/slash The Avatar Hour Podcast. However, if you are not able to support us by way of a monthly donation, you can also subscribe to us for free on your podcast platform of choice and leave a review. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send in feedback about the show or send in some content for Fandom Corner. We're always looking for that. You can follow us on our social media channels on Facebook and Instagram. We are at the Avatar Hour podcast and Twitter is at Avatar Hour. And if you would like to follow us personally, you can find me on Twitter at hey, it's underscore Andre. And you can find me on Twitter at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. Cool. So next week is our penultimate Rise of Kiyoshi episode. Big word. We are so excited. Um, We also have some other things in the works for you guys. I don't want to say what we're doing just yet. Um, I know it kind of always feels like we're seeing this, but trust me, we're going to have really cool episodes for you guys uh, in this season. Um, But yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, we will see you guys next week for chapters 25 through 28. Oh my God. All it's right. Good girl. I mean, it's already been good, but you know, it's, it's, it's getting even better. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye guys. Bye.